What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Before we get started, I want to ask you guys to like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, we have our socials in the description down below, as long as well as our Spotify and TikToks as well for different forms of content, if that kind of floats your boat. Uh, with that out of the way, today we're going to be getting into some head coaching and maybe a little bit of offensive coordinator hires from the past week or so. We're going to recap the divisional round, and then we're going to preview two of the final three games of the NFL season. It's a sad time, but all good things must come to an end. But Mike, you want to get us started with some head coaching hires? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll start with some coaching carousel. Uh, we already talked about Gerard Mayo to the Patriots. Uh, the The first big one was off the table was Antonio Pierce to the Raiders. He's done a great job getting a connection with all of the players, especially the superstars. Devontae Adams seems to love him. Max Crosby really loves him. Said he would consider leaving if... They decided to not bring him back. He's done a great job letting the players lead the team, developing a good culture in his short time as their interim head coach. And now he has a chance to hire his own coaching staff uh, with all these talented pieces on the offensive side of the ball and Max Crosby on defense. So we'll see what he does. The quarterback position is still a question mark with Aiden O'Connell, so we'll see how he does there. Yeah, I love AP. Uh, that was definitely one of the coaching hires that I am most excited about. There's a lot of these coaching hires that have been pretty underwhelming for me overall, especially with all the big names out there. Uh, but we'll get to a few more later. Uh, I have a lot of respect for AP and what he this defense, especially how they fully bought in in the second half of the year. They're one of the better defenses in the, in the entire NFL in the second half of the year. And I think they finally got a guy that's a great culture guy in there. Um, there was Gruden was a great coach, but there was ups and downs with him. Basaccia, they should have hired him when they could have after that season. They didn't. And McDaniels is the opposite of a good culture guy. So I'm happy they have a good guy in there. Uh, we obviously, for some reason, do not know um, coaching uh, figures numbers wise for these hires, which is something that I hope one day we're, we're allowed to be in on how much these guys are getting paid. But I assume Mark Davis saved a little bit of bread with this one instead of trying to go make a splash. But I love this hire. One of my favorites. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. They probably didn't want to spend too much money because they are still paying John Gruden, if I'm not mistaken, because of that big 10 year, hundred million dollars contract from a couple of years ago. But I also love this uh, hiring Josh. You said it, uh, the magic word culture players like Devonte Adams, Max Crosby, when those superstars on your team are just asking for a guy to be hired, especially from within saves you a lot of just extra groundwork you got to do. And it's honestly the right decision. Listening to your players on your team and following what they do is the right thing. Like 95% of the time, those of you who, who know, you know, uh, the other 5% maybe relates to my bears, but we can get to that later. Uh, I'd like to hire. I've been talking about it since he kind of took over and those players have been voicing their opinions uh, publicly. I think it's a great hire and I think they can really build something special. Yeah. Next hire we got here, Brian Callahan uh, was the Bengals offensive coordinator. The Tennessee Titans have hired him as their next head coach. Interesting move. It was an interesting move to fire Mike Vrabel in the first place. Uh, He's a proven offensive coordinator. He gets a chance to lead his own franchise, continue to develop Will Levis, who has been, showing some promise early in his career. Uh, it just seems like the Titans love the guys that the Colts decide to pass on. Colts passed on Will Levis. Titans go out and draft Will Levis right after that. Colts were really looking at Callahan, and now the Titans come and scoop him one year later. Both these guys have the Peyton Manning, the Manning family seal of uh, recommendation. So we'll see how this goes for Tennessee. 
yep, this is one of the ones I don't care about, to be honest. Um, I, it's not a big splash of a hire at all. Um, it's hard to evaluate an offensive coordinator who has talent such as Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins on his offense. Um, it's hard. It's hard to develop an unsuccessful scheme with those guys on your team. So we'll see how he does in Tennessee. I think this is one of those that it's hard to judge now. Uh, we could judge this one a year or two years from now. I completely agree. Uh, he's he doesn't have the biggest uh, resume going as a head coach. We got to figure out if he's really a leader of men. If he can command that locker room to a level that Vrabel honestly did, because he's a big he's a big guy. He commands respect wherever he goes physically. And, <laughs> a little bit, but um, I, I am very interested to see how this affects Will Levis's development. Obviously, he was working with guys, uh, like you mentioned, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Tennessee doesn't have that. Uh, maybe Will Levis can turn into a Walmart Joe, Joe Burrow, maybe, but they're also going to be probably losing uh, Derrick Henry in the offseason. So it'll be inter- interesting to see where they go with this, but it wouldn't shock me to see him as just like a bridge hire to their next guy once they try to sneak into their contending window in like two, maybe three years. Yeah, next hire is one that is a splash hire. Jim Harbaugh to the Los Angeles Chargers. He leaves Michigan where he had spent the last nine years. He leaves without taking any responsibility of the cheating that occurred in the last three-ish years. Uh, kind of a cowardish move. He's going to leave that team in some struggles. But it's a great hire for the Chargers. He's a smart coach, very smart coach, good offensive mind. He can develop a culture. Uh, this team will not be ran over like we saw with Staley, where the team just didn't show up to games. They will show up every week. They are in terrible cap space, $35 million over the cap limit. They're going to have a lot of cuts to make. I expect them to draft some offensive weapons coming out of the in the draft this year. Uh, they're going to, I don't even think they have a running back really on their roster right now. So I think they're going to look at running back. Maybe Blake Corum reunites with Harbaugh in the NFL. That'll be interesting. But Harbaugh being a great staff, he's a great coach. So good move for the Chargers to help Justin Herbert. Yeah, I don't think Michigan fans can be mad. He literally did whatever he could uh, in or outside of the rules uh, to get his team to win a national championship. So I don't think they can be too upset about him just getting up and leaving. But for the Chargers, I think this is exactly what you needed after Staley. You have so much talent, and year after year with all that talent, the players uh, fail to show up and produce wins during these games. Uh, Like you said, Harbaugh is not going to have a hard time getting his team to go show up for games. I think he's going to get the most out out of the talent that he has that he possibly can, which is a lot of talent on both the offensive and defensive end. Um, I think this team's going to be very dangerous in the coming years. I 100% agree. Uh, One thing I've been tweeting about, talking about a little for a little bit concerning Jim Harbaugh and the fact that he might come to the NFL, he is now. And I'm very curious to see who he's going to bring on as his staff, his OC, his DC. You said, Mike, he's a really uh, smart offensive mind. I'm excited to see how Justin Herbert kind of develops a little bit more under him. Hopefully he becomes a winner. Harbaugh, he just wins wherever he goes. He's coming off the national championship at Michigan. When he was in the NFL with the 49ers, he made the playoffs, I believe, three out of the four years in the conference championship, two out of those years, and one of them, he made a Super Bowl and almost beat his brother. So this is definitely a win-now move for the Chargers. They've got some salary cap issues to figure out, but I don't doubt that they're going to get that sorted out. They're going to build around Herbert, maybe a little bit of Keenan Allen after the really great year he just had. But I'm also really intrigued to see where uh, Kellen Moore goes. I believe that Bears actually requested an interview for him as O.C., before they hired Jim Harbaugh. 
and the Chargers blocked it. But I think it was today or yesterday that he got asked to interview uh, somewhere and they just allowed it. So I'm interested to see if he's going to maybe get a head coaching gig somewhere or if he's just going to slide laterally to an OC position. But I guess we'll see. It does look like Kellen yeah. Moore is going to be out in LA, it seems. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting that they would deny that interview. I saw that too. I don't understand that really. But next head coaching job, not as big. Raheem Morris to the Falcons. Uh, I think he'll do a great job coaching this defense. We saw it in LA. That defense isn't as talented as this Falcons defense is, and he did a great job with them. Uh, he's already coached in Atlanta before. He was an assistant head coach, pass game coordinator, wide receivers coach from 2015 to 29 and the defensive coordinator in 2020. He's very familiar with this team. When they fired Dan Quinn in 2020, he took over. He was the interim head coach and went 4-7. and seven. So he knows Atlanta. I think he'll be great for the culture. He knows what the team is like. The defense will be very good for seasons to come. I just don't know what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball. He has experience there, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, a coaching staff. So nice hire, but they're going to have question marks at quarterback. A lot of talent. We'll see what they do. Yeah, the biggest thing in this hire for me is the fact that Bill Belichick will not be having a head coaching job next year, it looks like, barring a shocking situation in Seattle or Washington. Uh, but, yeah, Raheem Morris is a solid hire, I guess. Um, he did coach in the South before, as he was, like you said, the interim coach in Atlanta, and he was the head coach in Tampa Bay for a little bit. Uh, unsuccessful there. But, yeah, I think this is a fine hire for them. Uh, you got a lot of talent on offense and defense, but at the end of the day, you still don't have a quarterback. So until they got that, get that situation figured out, uh, it's still going to be a mystery in Atlanta. Yeah, I think obviously the lead candidate for quarterback is probably Justin Fields. Uh, just pairing head coach and a fourth-year quarterback kind of makes a little bit of sense. You get the right OC, let Fields learn a different system, and just use all those weapons that they have. Or they just use pick eight on, I don't know, like, or they trade back or something. But they have eight? pick eight is going to be, yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, they got pick eight. Damn, I thought they were farther back than that for some reason. Now nah, they got pick eight. And um, I mean, depending on what they're thinking, maybe Raheem Morris is going to go uh, want to get an edge rusher, solidify that spot in his defense. Go Dallas Turner. I know I've been keeping my eye on him for the Bears, but uh, they've got the weapons on offense. That's always been uh, my question mark about the Falcons. Yeah, their defense has been solid the last little while, especially this year in the red zone. They were pretty good, but the offense has just been so inconsistent, mostly the quarterback. Maybe it was a little bit of Arthur Smith hating fantasy football. I don't know. But I think in order for them to have success, they got to get the offensive side of the ball figured out. I'm not too worried about defense for them. Yeah, and on to our last coaching job. This happened today. Dave Canales to the Panthers. Very, uh, very good move for the Panthers, in my opinion. We've seen the last two years specifically him take a quarterback that has struggled to perform in recent times and do a great job with them. Geno Smith in Seattle, he was their pass game coordinator. And last this year in Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield uh, really helped turn around his career and have one of his best seasons of his career. He did a phenomenal job with that offense as a whole. He got the ball to Mike Evans a lot. He got Chris Godwin involved. Rashad White really had a breakout season. The issue with this job is he does have David Tepper as his GM, which is not good for a coach at all. So that puts him in a rough position. But I think he has a chance to really turn around Bryce Young and maybe start tapping into some of that potential that we saw and the reason why he was the first overall pick. Yeah, this is the worst job in the NFL with Tepper. Um, It's probably one of the worst jobs in pro sports right now. There was a lot of guys I'm sure they wanted over Canales that were not going to accept that job. I don't think Ben Johnson was going to accept that job. Uh, I don't think many of the top 
uh, prospects were going to. But Canales did a great job this year. Uh, I think it's a solid hire for them. Uh, see what he can do with Bryce Young. Uh, he got the most out of Baker Mayfield this year. He hopefully should get the most out of Bryce Young next year. Yeah, he's getting to Bryce Young a lot earlier than he did to Geno Smith or Baker Mayfield, certainly in the middle of their careers right now. So getting to Bryce Young early is going to be huge for him. Uh, like you said, Mike, hopefully dipping into that untapped potential that he has yet to show as an NFL uh, quarterback. He showed a lot of potential in college, but obviously the situation around him, like you said, Josh, probably one of the worst in sports. So this will definitely be very interesting if they decide to pair those two for the long haul or they just view, view him as a bridge coach. But I definitely think it's a good hire. It's just uh, not having your first round pick this year, a lot of roster turnover. It's going to be very interesting to see how the next few years play out for the Panthers. Yeah, and they also hired Dan Morgan as their new GM. He had played for the Panthers, so he is tasked with building a roster around Bryce Young and that uh, rough weapons that he currently uh, like you mentioned, Josh, the two jobs that are still up for grabs, the Washington Commanders, which it seems like Ben Johnson's the runaway favorite, and then the Seahawks, which Dan Quinn has been heavily linked to, but that one has still a lot of question marks. And then the main storylines, like you guys said, neither Bill Belichick got a job so far, uh, Mike Vrabel and Bobby Slowick, which are three head coaches that I was going into this cycle almost certain that all of them would get a job. Yep. Uh, very interesting. I already touched on Belichick a little bit. Maybe he goes and uh, takes over a defensive coordinator spot somewhere, maybe in Dallas, if Quinn ends up getting the Seattle job. That's a possibility. Um, I know him and Jerry Jones have a good relationship, so uh, they could probably go there. Um, who else did you at Slowick? We have no idea what's going to happen with Slowick. Uh, that's a mystery so far. And Vrabes, I don't know uh, how many connect or what connections he has of where he can go to be a DC at. Uh, I know Dan Campbell likes him. Lions DC position most likely is not going to be open unless Aaron Glenn somehow gets that Seahawks or commander's job, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, but yeah, he could end up maybe as a position coach somewhere for a year or so to get back on his feet. But I assume at some point he'll have a high level coaching job. I don't know what it is, but I think Seattle would make the most sense for either Belichick or Vrabel. Neither are super flashy, uh, just, out in public media guys. So I never expected either of them to go to like the chargers or anything. Cause that's so much like camera time. That just doesn't seem like Belichick rainy Seattle, just dark and gloomy that, that, that feels like Belichick to me. So if Belichick were to get a head coaching job. My gut says it would be Seattle if he were to get one, but it also wouldn't shock me to see him take a year or two off the sport and just, uh, maybe pull a Sean Payton a little bit and just uh, gather his thoughts and then go somewhere in, uh, in a year or two and fix them up. But speaking of Seattle, when Pete Carroll went out, they decided to let all their coordinators uh, kind of just look for other jobs and they weren't going to block anything. And their offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, a guy that I was hoping for the Bears to hire as head coach, if they can fluce, they ended up keeping fluce. They were looking around for OCs and one of my top candidates, Shane Waldron, officially the OC of the Bears. I could not be happier about it. He helped turn around Geno Smith, who's got a relatively limited uh, toolbox of uh, just abilities within his arsenal. He was a backup quarterback for a reason. He has turned into a very solid top 15 guy. And with the good amount of weapons that they've had in Seattle, he's put out borderline uh, top 15, borderline top 10 offenses the last couple of years. Uh, having a guy like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, running back like K9, 
uh, rookie receiver like JSN. I love seeing him get, get them involved. I have a lot more tape to go through to really see all of the, uh, the nuances of his offense, but I'm very excited for it. And I love that they're dipping into the Shanahan and McVay tree. I think that's really smart. I'm very interested to see who they bring in as the quarterback coach as well to see uh, maybe that'll give us a slight hint at what they're thinking with doing with pick number one, whether it's Caleb or they trade it and then they stick with Justin. I have my preferences, but I think it's a drafting. Caleb is a great situation. Keeping fields is a good situation, but regardless, I'm very glad that we got an innovative offensive mind and anything is better than that terrorist Luke Getzey. All I got to say about the bears. Uh, I don't know how much to say about Waldron, but um, if they don't take Caleb Williams, that is a massive, massive, massive mistake. If they do, I think the NFC North is the best division in football next year. God, uh, Packers that's on the way up. Vikings will get healthy. It's hard to Lions it's hard to argue wait till the AFC South comes. It's hard to argue against the AFC North, considering they were the only team with everybody above five hundred this year. But yeah, I I could see the Bears, Vikings, Packers, Lions just being a juggernaut of, of a division next year if all teams play their cards right, of course. Yeah, there's a couple divisions. AFC South is on the up and coming. I don't think it'll be in the battle for a top division, but a lot of young quarterbacks there. I still think the AFC North is the best. Um, Two last little notes. Bill Vinovich to referee the Super Bowl. Uh, He has had some controversy in his career. Uh, Gets a chance. I think he's done it before, but to referee the Super Bowl. And then Vic Fangio has parted ways with the Dolphins. He's no longer their DC. And Javon Holland was... Very happy as he posted on his Instagram story him kicking rocks. So, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that that, that was that me. was funny. Um, but yeah, Big Fangio's uh one of the top regarded DCs in the league. I think he'll do a good job in Philly. I mean, if he goes Philly, he's Philly's the favorite. But I thought it was I thought it was damn near set in stone. It's it's damn near set in stone, but nothing's guaranteed in this world. Anything's better than Matt Patricia, though. Oh, that, Literally uh, anything. Who's looking for a job? I, I could probably Anybody call on the planet. But do we? what scheme do the Eagles run? Are they a 4-3 or a 3-4? Because I know Fangio is 3-4, and that's kind of what most defenses are doing now. So. I don't know what Fat Matt was running. Yeah, well, no one. he doesn't even know what he was running. He doesn't. He's <laughs> he just, just said, hey, you get clown. out there. We'll just see what you do. But Yeah, if, uh, if any NFC North teams outside of the Lions, Matt Patricia is a free agent. I highly recommend going with him. He's a leader of men. Uh, he always has a pencil on him if anybody needs to write anything. So he's very useful in that regard. Uh, so if any Bears, Packers, um, well, Barry got Vikings. fired, right? Joe Barry did get fired a couple days hey, ago. Hey, Packers. He knows a lot about the Lions. Considering they just had Joe Barry, I think that's the only legitimate downgrade that you can <laughs> <Yeah>. make <laughs> as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. But, um... You guys uh, ready to move on into the divisional round recap here? Yeah. All right, we'll start with the first game. Ravens 34, Texans 10. Uh, The Texans were just outmatched here talent-wise in this game. Uh, Texans' only touchdown was a punt return touchdown in the first half. They didn't have a single offensive touchdown. Uh, For a super electric offense with C.J. Stroud, that was getting a lot of hype after that game with the Browns where they dominated their defense. Uh, Really had a letdown game here in Baltimore. Lamar had his first good playoff game in one of the biggest spots for him. 250 total yards, four total touchdowns, zero turnovers. He was fantastic, to say the least, uh, and is leading his team uh, as great as he has in his entire career. 
Um, this is his best season. Maybe statistically not. This is definitely his best season. We've been waiting to see if Lamar could prove himself in the playoffs, and he finally has. If Lamar played poorly in this game and the Texans won, uh, there would be a lot of people making comments about Lamar, how he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league, regardless of MVP. MVP matters, but if you go and let uh, playoff stinkers happen every single time you get in the playoffs, then MVPs don't matter at all. Uh, look at Embiid in the NBA. Um, I said the Texans needed to run the ball well uh, to win this game. They couldn't run the ball well at all. They had nothing in the run game, forcing CJ Stroud to pass, and they just this Ravens defense has just been nasty uh, most of the season. Neither team turned the ball over in this game. It was a pretty clean game overall. Just It came down to the Texans just couldn't move the ball, especially in the second half. They just had many three and outs, turnover on downs, sub five play drives. They just couldn't move the ball in the Ravens. It was a rowdy environment. Um, they Fairbairn did miss a kick. Uh, he's been one of the better kickers in the league this year, but Baltimore is one of the tough places, the tougher places to kick uh, in general, which just makes Justin Tucker all that more impressive. Um, the Ravens did what they needed to do. They defended home field, and now they go to play Patrick Mahomes next week. Yeah, this is more of a, a showing on the talent disparity between the Ravens and Texans. The Texans, yeah, it was cute. They demolished Cleveland. They got a couple defensive touchdowns. They were riding high at home. Uh, they're playing a lot uh, ahead of schedule compared to what we thought they were going to be this year. But they won their home playoff game. Great for them. But the Ravens, they just said, all right, pipe down, little bro. We, we'll take it from here. Lamar, MVP type of game in an MVP type of season. His first probably legitimate MVP playoff performance in his entire career, like you mentioned, Josh. Uh, he's been a little underwhelming to this point, and if he plays like this against Kansas City, it's going to be hard to pick against them. Baltimore, they they just have a lot of playmakers on offense. They might be getting Mark Andrews back next week, and the fact that they just absolutely dismantled this Texans team, this is going to be – this is definitely going to be uh, – what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, man. Uh, for No, not foresight. Jeez, I can't think of it. I'm blanking right now. This is foreshadowing. This is foreshadowing uh, what we'll see from Baltimore, probably the rest of the playoffs, if they face inferior rosters to them, which they're, I think there may, there's maybe one left, but they are quarterbacked by one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion, in Patrick Mahomes, and they see them next round. So I'm very much looking forward to the next round. Yeah, this was a good first half game, 10 to 10 at halftime, but Lamar Jackson in the end was able to silence a lot of playoff doubters. Passed for two touchdowns, ran for two touchdowns. It was only a second playoff win in five games. He's now two and three, but he really played very good in this one and is one of the main reasons the Ravens won, obviously. Um, he's the first quarterback since at least 1948 in the regular season or the playoffs with at least two touchdown passes, two touchdown runs, 100 yards rushing, and a 100 passing yard passer rating in the same game. He was phenomenal. He had only had one game this season with 100 rushing yards, and he had that in this his first playoff game this season on only 11 rushing attempts. Uh, he faced a career-high blitz rate. D'Amico Ryans wanted to blitz him, and he did 75% of the time. Uh, and he was able to go 13 of 18 for 120 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he got rid of the ball at an average of 2.25 in the second half when they, seconds um, when they really started to pull away. Uh, he was playing phenomenal. The run game absolutely bullied the Texans' defense. 229 rushing yards to only 38 for the Texans. 
and they were able to pull away in the second half. Their defense was also phenomenal. No Marlon Humphrey. That really didn't matter. They held the Texans to no offensive touchdowns. C.J. Shroud didn't get sacked one time this game, which is something the Ravens have to do next week against Mahomes. They have to be able to sack him. Uh, but the Texans lose the game. They're now 0-5 in the divisional round of the playoffs. They're the only current franchise that has never reached a conference championship game, uh, which is a rough stat. Uh, City of Baltimore will host an AFC championship for the first time since January of 1971, uh, and that team was the Baltimore Colts. Yep. Um, moving on here, Packers and Niners. Pa- or Niners 24, Packers 21. Uh, the Packers absolutely should have won this game. They played better for all but a few minutes of this game against the Niners. Jordan Love throws two picks. Both the picks were completely his fault. Uh, two bad reads by him, especially that one late. Um, they had plenty of time on the clock to go win this game, and they couldn't do it. Uh, the Packers were able to shut down San Francisco's run game for most of this one. Uh, San Francisco had a few chunk plays in this one, especially towards the end. Excuse me. Um, and Christian McCaffrey broke a few runs there at the end, and they relied on him heavily in that last drive to go score the touchdown to win the game. Uh, so it showed me a couple things in this one. It showed me that the Niners are a beatable team. It showed me that you can sometimes run the ball on the Niners. You can sometimes stop the Niners' run game. This was a moment where it was going to be like, okay, are the Packers going to be able to run on the strong run defense? Are they going to be able to stop this strong run offense? They were able to do both. They were very, very impressive in their run defense. Aaron Jones was great again against this Niners team and their strong front. Chase Young, as much talent as he has, has actually not been that good in his time here at the Niners, especially in the run game. He's pretty poor in the run game overall. I think that's a heavy weakness of this team. Um, The Packers, like I said, had every chance to win this game on that last drive. The Niners left plenty of time on the clock for him to go at least go tie, uh, and he makes a bad read late and throws a pick. But like I said earlier, with the NFC North being one of the best divisions in football next year, the Packers' future is really bright. I think they're going to be a very good team next year. It's all their young receivers get older. I'm sure they're going to pick up some guys in free agency. Love's going to have another year under his belt of experience. Um, and overall, if the Niners can't run the ball and they don't have Debo Samuel, they're in trouble. We saw when they didn't have Debo Samuel earlier this year, they looked very beatable when they lost three in a row. He comes back and they look like themselves again. Uh, hopefully for them, he can come back and play in these, uh, this final game or final two games, depending on how it goes this week. But um, yeah. The Packers had every chance to win this game. They should be in the NFC title game, but that's the playoffs for you. Yeah, uh, you said it yourself. It was uh, Packers probably should have won this game. They were the better team for roughly three and a half quarters of this one. Purdy was doing just enough in the early parts of this game to just keep the Niners within reach. He made a couple of really nice throws, one of which was that touchdown to George Kittle. And I think he had a couple to Jawan Jennings as well over the middle, and it was just... Jawan Jennings was having himself a game, it felt like, but... The big play was uh, Christian McCaffrey breaking a run. I think that put them ahead, and then he ended up getting another touchdown later. But Jordan Love, like you said, Josh, that that back-breaking interception, just rolling right, throwing back left. Thought he had something, just but Dre Greenlaw just came across, picked it off, and ran around a little bit. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, you should probably go down here. But apparently, he was going for six because he promised Fred Warner or something. But I don't know. Uh that would have this been hilarious game, if he fumbles. It was. No way he admits really that after the game if he fumbles. No, no chance. No, not at all. Just, <laughs> that would have been wild. But I will say this about Jordan Love. 
he looked pretty good for a majority of the game. Uh, they were picking on the corner opposite of Traverius Ward for a majority for a majority of the game. His two two of his three big missed throws were those interceptions. I believe the first one was a dump off to Aaron Jones. He just missed high and behind him. Aaron Jones just tried to reach him back and tipped it. I don't know if it was Aaron Jones, but but the receiver uh, reached high and behind him, try and tip it, went up in the air, picked off, and then the last one. Just completely unnecessary, tried forcing something that did not need to be there. And that's sometimes what happens when you have a, a quarterback with limited experience in the league, especially in the playoffs. He played well last week, but things kind of uh, – pressure kind of caved in a little bit, and he just couldn't handle it. But it was his first year starting. I'm willing to give him a little bit of grace on that. They made it further than probably a good amount of the fan bases in the league expected them to go. So that just shows that Jordan Love, he's ahead of schedule, especially – uh, for a first-year starter, and Matt LaFleur, he's a heck of a coach. He was able to get a lot out of these guys, especially that really young receiving core. The Packers have a unfortunately bright future, and I say unfortunately because you and me, Josh, NFC North fans, I don't think we want to continue to see these guys twice a year, possibly three if they match up in the playoffs because it's really hard to beat the same team three times in a year. Unfortunately, the Bears just got to focus on beating them once, so – but the Niners, they got it done when it mattered. Uh, Purdy, it was like this in, uh, I don't remember what week it was, but when they played the Browns, Purdy was rough a majority of the game. But on that final drive, when he had to go down, get them into field goal range, he did his job, made a beautiful throw to Ayuk, and ended up getting them into field goal range. Moody just missed the kick. So that really had no impact on this game whatsoever. But it's just similar situations that I like to look back on. And, yeah, the Lions are going to have their hands full with Christian McCaffrey and that loaded receiving uh group with Debo if he plays, Ayuk, Kittle, and CMC if he lines up in the slot every once in a while. So this will be a great, great championship weekend, in my opinion. 49ers, they advanced to the third straight NFC championship. Very impressive. Uh, Brock Purdy, he struggled in this game. Uh, maybe with some of the rust that we had talked about, he had about 20 days off or whatever, three weeks since he had played last. But when it mattered most, he did show up in the game. Six for seven, 47 yards on the game-winning drive. Had a big third down conversion to Brandon Ayuk, 252 yards total and a touchdown. So a solid day, but um, the way he'd been playing in the regular season and this offense, he still should have been better. CMC really saved the day for him. Uh, Touchdown with a minute and seven left. He had the big touchdown earlier in the game, 98 yards on 17 carries. Defensively, Dre Greenlaw, two interceptions from Jordan Love. Uh, Their defense played well enough uh, to find a way to win the game. Jordan Love looked very good in this game, in my opinion. Hostile environment for the second week in a row. Uh, had some costly turnovers on some throws that, yeah, they maybe weren't there, but he's just young. You watch some of the throws he hit earlier in the game. Uh, his arm just was able to get the ball there. He, I understand how he thought he could make that throw, too. Uh, their main issue that had been killing them all season that they decided to just kind of bat an eye and just avoid it was Anders Carlson. He had missed a lot of kicks. It feels like every time you watch him, you see him miss one. It feels like uh, the kick ended up costing them huge in this game. It feels like uh, every time you would kick, I would say to like whoever I'm around that I bet you he misses his kick uh, that happened in this game. I called it that he missed it. I don't want to sound like LeBron, but I did call that he was going <laughs> to miss this kick. It was, it was just scripted that he would miss this kick. Um, those three points killed him. They lose by three points. Uh, but that wasn't the Packers' only issue. Uh, first half, they got to the red zone on three straight dive- drives to start the game and were unable to get a touchdown, scored two field goals, and got stuck on a fourth and one on a sneak. 
you got to be able to finish in the red zone, especially in the playoffs against a team as good as the 49ers. They became the first team in 20 years to reach the red zone on their first three drives of a playoff game without getting a touchdown. So they're just unable to get over that 49ers hump. But this season was better than what they expected at all for the 49ers. This is what you expected. You're in the conference championship at home with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And the last thing I got to say is it's this is looking at you, Zach, specifically and Bears fans as a whole. It's embarrassing how every year they admittedly celebrate this like it's their Super Bowl. The Packers losing in the playoffs. It's one of the worst things to happen every year, in my opinion. I can't I've got more stand Super it. Bowls than you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> I don't get it, but um, <laughs> Packers losing the playoffs a lot. That's what. It oh, is. well, it's just embarrassing. Uh, the Bears don't play in meaningful play- football games almost every year. Uh, they haven't been in the playoffs in a while. The Packers were the youngest team in the NFL. They went on to win a playoff game. They found their franchise QB. They were able to develop him. Um, and Bears fans can't say any of that. So it's embarrassing for Bears fans, Connor Burns specifically. Lions 31, Buccaneers 23. Lions uh, win again. The Lions won again. Um, oh, the, li- the Lions were tested, and they passed those tests with flying colors. Uh, Mike Evans did his thing, as the wide receiver ones have against the Lions recently. I know it's it's a big story in the news. Everyone wants to talk about how these wide receiver ones are just torching the Lions, and they are. But the stretch that everyone's talking about is Justin Jefferson twice, CeeDee Lamb once, Puka Nakua once, Mike Evans once. These are all fantastic wide receivers. What? DJ Moore. Did he dominate them twice? Yeah. <laughs> Was it in that stretch? I don't know what stretch you're talking about. I it mean, was not. There was a Saints game in between that, and there was one more game. I'm trying to think of back half one. of the year. Broncos too, but okay, whatever. Um, the stretch that everyone's talking about is those uh, four guys, just Jefferson twice. Um, so those are fantastic receivers, some of the best in the league. And um, I don't think that's really something that we can put too much credit into. If you can stop everybody else, especially when these teams have Godwin. Um, and other great receivers, Cooper Cup. If you're going to be able to stop their wide receiver, too, who is also one of the better receivers in the league, you're going to be in an all right spot. Tampa Bay ran the ball okay this game, but not good enough to win. They needed to run the ball really, really well to win this game on a tough Lions run defense. They couldn't do that. They passed the ball well in spurts, but overall the Lions defense showed up. C.J. Gardner-Johnson got his second pick since coming back in Week 18. Uh, He's been great and a huge addition to this Lions team. Um, This game was... 10-10 10-10 at half, and 17-17 when the fours went up. Uh, this was a close game uh, for a lot of it, um, but the Lions in the second half responded with three straight touchdown drives of 64 yards, 75 yards, and 89 yards in a row, and that's what sealed this game for the Lions. Um, there was two drives in particular that made this game a little bit closer than it should have been. The end of the first half when the Lions had to punt the ball to the Bucks with about a minute left, and the Bucks drove 91 yards for a touchdown off a couple of big Mike Evans catches. And then late in the game, when they had that drive to make it a one touchdown game after the Lions went up two touchdowns, those two drives, um, Bucks moved the ball great. Outside of that, the Lions defense played really, really well this game. Um, Ragnow was severely injured. Uh, he hurt his ankle and his foot, continued to stay in the game all game, kept playing through it. He's one of the toughest dudes in the league. He's going to play again this week. Um, he's phenomenal, man. I just have so much respect for him. He's one of the cogs that makes this engine of the Detroit Lions go. Uh, and I just, I love Frank Ragnow. Um, Jonah Jackson got hurt this game. Lions left guard, uh, former pro bowler. Uh, that hurts obviously, but 
This is a team with 53 guys who are all ready to go at any moment in the game. And whenever you need a guy to replace someone on this team, the next guy up is going to go out there and give it everything they got. Uh, and they did that this game. Speaking of uh, that 53-man roster, Craig Reynolds' number was called accidentally on that fourth and goal uh, early in the game where the Lions ended up scoring a touchdown on that inside run. Apparently, it was a personnel issue. They didn't – I don't know how it happened. Craig Reynolds just got out there. I know Amon Ross had on his pod that he was – in motion on that play, and he looked back when he was motioning right and saw Craig Reynolds, and he was like, what What the fuck are we doing here? And then Craig Reynolds gets the ball, puts it in the end zone. Uh, he was ready to go. Uh, shout out to him. He's been on this team for a minute now. He's a great guy, and uh, he's just the third running back that can also get it done when he absolutely has to. He had a huge block against the Bucks also earlier in the season on that Amon Ra run, one of the nastiest blocks of the year. Uh, so that was huge. Golf played amazing. No turnovers in the playoffs so far. Five touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, he's been great. He is the one of, I believe, 10 quarterbacks to take two separate teams to a uh, championship game. Um, he's been great. JG has just fully bought in here and found his home uh, as the Lions quarterback uh, after he was written off completely by the LA Rams. Jameer Gibbs was great. 114 all-purpose yards. He had a six stiff arm on that big 30-yard touchdown in the second half. Uh, we'll touch on the Lions Niners preview here in just a little bit, uh, but I think he's going to be a huge factor in that game as well. Amon Ron Laporta, the common suspects here, 17 catches between the two of them this game. They dominated the middle of the field. The Bucks just had no answer for those two. Uh, a couple guys that are just really tough to stop when you got an accurate quarterback like JG throwing to them. The Lions sent pressure all game which threw off Dave Canales, uh, now Panthers head coach, former Buccaneers OC. Uh, I don't think he was expecting uh, AG to throw that much pressure at him, and he did all game long. Uh, they actually, I believe, blitzed more than the Bucs did this game. The Bucs are one of the most blitzing teams in the league. Uh, they stayed aggressive. They played to their strengths, uh, and they played as well as they could have on defense, which is what they've been doing for the past five weeks or so. Uh, when the game mattered the most, Derek Barnes gets his first career interception to seal it uh, on the last drive of the game when the Bucs had a chance to go down and tie it uh, down eight. That was huge. Uh, Lions Ford Field was ecstatic after that. They ended up breaking the record that they set for themselves last week in the Rams game. And they are now they passed the Saints who were ahead of them by a couple or by a decibel. They are now third behind uh, Arrowhead and Lumen Field. Um, this Lions team, though, is just truly special. They move as one 53-player unit, and it's a tough train to stop, and I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. The reason that train is not stopping anytime soon is because all these guys, they're buying into the system yep. and the culture that they have. Guys like Jared Goff, I'm going to St. Brown, uh, James and Williams, who's been here for a couple years, Craig Reynolds, like you mentioned, he's been here a while. But then also the young guys like Jameer Gibbs, Laporta, who've only been in the league for one year, Monty, whose first year in Detroit is this season. They've all bought into this offensive system that they run. And they, I mean, whether it's a personnel issue or not, the fact that Reynolds is able to confidently go in and score, I mean, that just shows how comfortable they are. Uh, the Bucks they put up a good fight. It was actually a really solid game going into the fourth quarter. And Mike Evans did not want them to go quietly. Even with a couple miscues early on, whether it was Baker Mayfield missing a couple, missing a couple throws or Evans just not concentrating at 100%, not locked in, he still finished with eight catches, 147 yards, and a touchdown. This was as wide receiver one of a game as you can have in the playoffs. Sure, the Lions have had a tough time guarding these wide receiver ones in this recent stretch, but 
the wide receiver runs for a reason. So it's hard to stop these guys. They're getting paid the big bucks for a reason. And it's, it's impressive. Now we can officially say that the Baker Mayfield magic has come to an end. He's lost his, his OC. They have officially lost in the playoffs. Sure. They can come back next year and maybe do a little something, something because this division, as we know, is a little on the weaker side, but regardless, uh, Baker magic is officially over. They are now in Cancun, but congrats to the lions. Their team has just been very, very impressive for me this year. I figured they'd be a really good team come playoff time because they could score, but they're getting some important stops too. And some of the defensive players are making some crazy good plays. Uh, CD Deuce, uh, Garner Johnson, he's been, he's been really good back there in the secondary, especially this soon after recovering from that injury that he suffered, I believe in week two, if I'm not mistaken, but this Lions team, uh, we said at the beginning of the year, they weren't healthy for a little while. So, but seeing everybody healthy for the most part, aside from, uh, who's the corner that got hurt, who came back and then got hurt. Emmanuel Mosley. Mostly right. should be his revenge game next week. It should be his revenge game next week. But regardless, this lines team, they are a very, very fast moving train. But San Francisco, when they're hot, they are also a very, very powerful engine as well. So this is going to be a very I, I said it already. This is going to be a great championship weekend. I think any of the four possible Super Bowl combinations will be very entertaining to watch and if I'm not mistaken, I'll get into it later, but if I'm not mistaken, there are like revenge factors in every single one of the games as well. Uh, yeah, this was a great game. Jared Goff has the Lions in the NFC Championship for the first time in 32 years. Lions 14-5, and five, won two playoff games in a season for the first time since 1957. Uh, and that was the last time they won the NFL title. So uh, they also had two postseason games at home for the first time. Uh so happy for the city of Detroit. They deserve it. Their teams have been rough for a couple of years now. Uh, Goff was great in this game, 30 for 43, 287 yards. Uh, they were just in phenomenal in the second half, especially. They had long uh, touchdown drives on three consecutive possessions there. Amon Ra, again, continues to show how great he is. Eight catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown was uh, the finishing of a nice, I think it was like 10-play, 90-yard drive. Their offense took over in the second half, won him the game. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was great in this game. Uh, we, we talked about in the preview how they had not faced Jameer Gibbs in the regular season, and here you are for the first time he sees him in the playoffs, and he tore him up. 74 rushing yards on nine carries, four receptions for 40 yards. Uh, Lions offense did everything they could to win this game, and they deserved to win this game. Buccaneers, they played solid in this game. Baker Mayfield played well. He had that interception early to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh was a little high, but Mike Evans still should have caught it. But uh, CJ Garner Johnson got to give him the ball back for his interception, so that was funny. That was so cool. Yeah. Uh, interesting though. Uh, there was really no reason to start all the talk, but I respect it. Um, he's a talker. May- he's gonna start it no matter yeah. what. Uh, Mayfield did play very well in this. Well, he played solid. Twenty six for forty one. Had three hundred and forty nine passing yards. Teams do that against the Lions. It just happens. A lot of passing yards, but they didn't get the win, so it really is all empty. Uh, Mike Evans, like you guys said, was pretty good, 147 yards and a touchdown. For the Buccaneers, really, uh, in the season as a whole, kind of like the Packers, how I said, they don't really have much to hang their head on. They exceeded expectations. Hopefully the loss of Dave Canales doesn't hurt them too much. Um, It's definitely going to hurt them. He's been great for them all season. 
Uh, but for the Lions, they get to keep their season going, a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and it's all you could ask for, and they get a chance to do something special. Yep. Uh, moving on here to the last divisional round game, Chiefs and Bills. Uh, this game was as good as advertised. It was a great game. We had a honestly outside of the Ravens game, we had a pretty solid divisional weekend. Uh, the Lions did take control of that game in the second half, but for most of the game, it was pretty close. Um, the only turnover in this Bills game, Bills Chiefs game, was the Miko Hardman fumble at the goal line. Uh, that was could have been very, very crucial uh, to eliminating the Chiefs had they not been able to go get a stop on defense and force a field goal, which was tough for Bass. We'll, I'll get to that in a second here. But uh, both these quarterbacks played really well for most of the game. Neither one of them made too many mistakes. They were both just trying to do whatever they could to will their offenses to win this game. The only drive Kansas City had where they didn't score was that Mikko Hardman fumble and then the punt on their last possession to give the Bills a chance to go down and tie it or win it. Um, so that offense did what they had to do against the Bills defense that was playing pretty solid. They got result Douglas back, and the Chiefs still did Chiefs things. It's very, very easy to blame Tyler Bass for this loss, um, but so many plays happened before that. I don't think you can go out there and say he's the sole reason they lost this game. But if you put the game on your kicker at the end of the game, you're susceptible to this happening, especially in January, uh, an environment where it's hard to kick in. If you go and put it in your kicker's hands, you have to accept your fate if he can't knock it down. Um, KC defense played really, really well all game, uh, as well as they could have against, a, obviously, a great offense in the Bills. They didn't allow a point in this game for the final 18 minutes. Uh, when it mattered the most, their defense stepped up. They were able to get stops uh, and force field goals that obviously did not go in uh, for the Bills. Outside of that uh, missed kick, the most talked about play this game is going to be the DeMar Hamlin uh, fake punt, which allegedly was a call by DeMar uh, at the line of scrimmage. I'm not that's sure crazy. if that's <laughs> actually true. I don't believe that. that that's that's what the that's streets wild. are saying, though. I don't know. Ain't no way know. he just said this my career. Like, Yeah, no I don't way. know. I mean, apparently it's his check at the line if he sees a look he likes uh, in that wow. scenario. And he obviously saw a look he liked. Uh, I think in the event he converts that, regardless of the outcome this game, I think he definitely is no doubt comeback player of the year. He'll he was probably... trying so hard to, to yeah. win that. <laughs> he just needed to do one thing all season to win it. He just needed one successful play and couldn't happen. Um, Luckily for the uh, Bills, Hardman did fumble on, on the goal line following that punt, uh, fake punt, which would have... Uh, if they would, if the Chiefs would have scored there, it would have probably been over earlier than it was in this game. Uh, but they did get that stop. Luckily for the Bills, they kept themselves in the game. Uh, looking at this game, the Chiefs, I think, are just the better team overall. Josh Allen just cannot beat the Patriots in the play. Patriots cannot beat Kansas City. I, I had Pat written down, and I think I just read Patriots. But um, he cannot beat Mahomes in the playoffs. He cannot beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, the regular season wins matter less and less when you consistently produce the same results year in and year out. Maybe at some point uh, in his career, Manning will beat Brady. Uh, but at this point, Brady has been dominant in this rivalry. I completely agree. But one play that I will that I do want to go back on and kind of revisit is that uh, I believe it was second and nine on that final drive, two plays before the missed kick. Uh, Josh Allen dropping back in the pocket. I think everyone could see on screen that Diggs was coming underneath. He had probably five, six, maybe 10 yards of room in front of him. 
just to get the easy first down, but Josh Allen decided to throw in between the safeties to Shakir and just look like he missed. But on the replay, I think we all saw that Chris Jones being one of the best defensive players just on the planet really impacted that throw and just walked Deion Dawkins back into Josh Allen's lap. That just goes to show you that you need incredible playmakers on both sides of the ball just to make shit happen. I don't fault Josh Allen for going for that play, for going for that touchdown whatsoever. That's what that's who Josh Allen is. He's a big game hunter. He has been for a majority of his career. And I I think he still takes that shot 100 out of 100 times. And I would as well. It was open. It just great play by someone on the defensive line, something that he really can't control. And on the other side of it, Diggs, he was having a really, really rough back half of the year. I think he only had like one game over 100 yards, found the end zone maybe twice in the last like 10 weeks. Like that's still being generous, I guess. But he was very, very piss poor the back half of the year. Um, I I know you were tweeting about it, Mike, saying he was washed in a, a little bit. But I think uh, maybe a change of scenery might help him a little bit, but Something does need to be said about the Bills cap situation this year. This is the year that Josh Allen's new uh, extension kind of just kind of gets uh, thrown into play. They are now 46 and change million dollars in the red. So a big uh, receiver contract like Stefan Diggs, uh, maybe past rushing contracts like Von Miller, where he barely played hardly at all this year, just because he's been fighting injuries. Maybe he's on the move or just a cap casualty. Maybe because they've got three solid corners like Trey White, Rizul Douglas, and Teron Johnson. Maybe one of them gets the boot because they don't want to pay all three of them. Uh, one of the two great safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. I mean, maybe one of those two is gone. They've got a lot of uh, financial maneuvering to do this offseason. And I'm very interested to see how they go forward with it because if they don't fix things fast and they continue to force Josh Allen to be the hero and they don't get enough talent around him or they just continue to face unfortunate injuries like they have all year. They're not going to reclaim that Super Bowl window. And I do think that window is closing, but on the winning side, Kansas city, they played a really good game defensively youngest defense in the league. They got stops when they needed to Uh, sure. Maybe it was a DeMar Hamlin audible at the line of scrimmage that might've won them the game, but regardless uh, they got the job done. Isaiah Pacheco was great. As, as he normally is when he gets a good chunk of carries. Mahomes, he was efficient. He was taking the smart throws. He wasn't forcing anything into double or triple coverage. Him and Kelsey seemed like they were actually on today. They didn't connect a bunch, but five times for 75 yards and two scores. That seems pretty prime Mahomes and Kelsey to me. And I was telling my roommate about this uh, maybe a couple hours ago before he left. I think I'm ready to claim Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, one of, if not the greatest quarterback coach duos of all time strictly because of how well they mesh together in terms of uh, play style, play calling, all that. And obviously the first argument would be, what about Brady and Belichick? They had six rings and I could counter with, well, Belichick was more defensive minded and Brady was just, Brady was Brady, one of the smartest football players of all time. And it was him and ironically, Josh McDaniels who made a lot of that offense work. So I, I feel confident to to plant my flag in the Mahomes and Andy Reid are the greatest quarterback coach duo of all time. Comment, debate me if you will. I will happily respond to anybody. Maybe not. I don't know if I see it. But I that's my takeaway, one of my takeaways from this game. But Chiefs are going to have to run the ball really well next week if they want to have success like they did this week. And 
Mahomes is just going to have to be really Mahomey too. Yeah. Um. Until they get four, I don't think they're the the goat combo. But I can I, I can see where you're coming from. But uh, great game. That's what I said I wanted going into this game. I wanted a great game, and it really was. Neither team led by more than seven points. Five lead changes. Great game. Mahomes finally. Well, it was his first playoff game on the road, but he gets his first road playoff win. Chiefs are just used to ending the bill season at this point now they've done it three of the last four playoffs chiefs offense we talked about it almost all year how they're they were struggling they couldn't find their groove um they weren't looking like the chiefs we had seen in the past and they've come out in the playoffs and they've just like with the snap of a finger turned it around Chiefs scored on five of their first six possessions not including the kneel down to end the half uh they they were the Bills defense has been incredible at home all season, and they really just moved down the field at will. Mahomes was 17 of 23, 215 yards, two touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey, of course, uh, 15th and 16th time they've done that in the playoffs. They now have uh, one more touchdown than Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski for the NFL record for most playoff touchdowns by a quarterback receiver connection. Uh, they just turn it up in the playoffs. Josh Allen was also great on the other side of the football. He continues to lose these matchups in the playoffs, but he always puts out a good performance. 26 for 39, 186 yards and a touchdown passing. He had two rushing touchdowns and a team high 72 yards rushing, which uh, makes his career playoff total to 563 rushing yards, which is the second most among NFL quarterbacks in league history behind only Steve Young, who had 594. So we'll probably see him pass that soon. And uh, maybe if Lamar makes a run this year, he'll be up there too. So uh, he had that great throw to Diggs, like you touched on, Zach, that uh, he just wasn't able to complete the catch. The Diggs and Allen connection really has been down during the stretch of the season. And I did tweet out saying uh, maybe he's washed. I don't know. I think he should definitely be on the washed watch list next season, considering how rough he was down the stretch. Uh, he had 82 targets, 505 yards, and two touchdowns since week eight. Zero 100-yard games. Khalil Shakir had 36 targets, 536 yards, and one touchdown, and I think two 100-yard games. So uh, with half the targets, Khalil Shakir over, um, outperformed him down the stretch this year. They need to, for their offseason, I really think they need to find consistent receiving weapons for him. It seems like Kincaid will be a guy, Shakir, uh, but with Diggs getting older, uh, maybe it'll help with cap space. Maybe you have to move on this season. You're lo already losing Gabe Davis in the offseason, most likely. So for the Chiefs, um, I was taught, I think Josh, you said it. Jack, he's been on the pod before, uh, Raiders fan. Uh, they're kind of this Chiefs team is almost kind of like the Patriots dynasty where they can struggle all season, maybe not look like a team at all. You think maybe it's over, and then the playoffs start and they just dominate and figure it out. And they're in what their six consecutive AFC championships. So nice for the chiefs. Kind of to go back to your point about the washed watch list. Who else is on that list? Obviously Diggs, probably Austin Eckler, especially after the, oh, the I think he's, not, he's not even washed. on the watch list. He's just washed. You think he's just straight up washed? Yeah. Who else sure. do we think is on it though? I don't want to put Devonte Adams on it considering the quarterback oh, whoa, situation, whoa, 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 whoa. but I mean, he didn't have can. the greatest season. Like, I think two or three games ago, he had like 12 or 13 catches for like 160 something yards and a score or two, didn't he? I mean, just, I mean, he didn't play two weeks ago, but overall, two games ago. Yeah, there's a couple of guys who could be on there. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't I, think of anything off the top, think of my head. top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's definitely some names there. But um, Matt Ryan could... last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, we could do some studs and does here really quickly before we move can't on move. into the <laughs> championship round recap. Apparently, he wants to go to the Falcons now. I don't know. Um, but moving on to studs and duds. Zachary. Uh, uh, I will be. I will quickly go with mine. My stud. Can't believe I'm saying this. I know early in the season, I definitely wouldn't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to go with Aaron Glenn, AG. Um, he dialed up blitzing for most of this game, setting a ton of pressure at Baker Mayfield. The concern in this game is that they were going to be able to dominate on the intermediate and deep routes all game. If you can attack him when he's not expecting to be attacked and he has to get the ball out early, throw short. You can uh, limit as much as you can, put as least amount of pressure on the guys like Cam Sutton and Kendall Vidlor uh, to uh, guard Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin deep and intermediate. Uh, he did that. That was a genius play by him. Uh, so he is my stud for the week. And my dud is Jordan Love for those two picks in the Niners game, especially that last pick. Um, if he doesn't throw that last pick, uh, this, the Packers either go to overtime or win this game against the Niners. Uh, so he... As good as he had been in this back half of the season and as good as he was overall in that game, those two picks were just backbreaking for the Green Bay Packers and the loss in the game straight up. All right. Well, my stud of the week, I was kind of debating back and forth between this guy and another guy, but I'm going to go with Mike Evans, eight catches for 147 yards and a touchdown. He's been phenomenal all year and probably the best player on the Bucks roster the entire season. Uh, he was tied for the league lead in touchdowns with Tyreek Hill, who has been phenomenal the last few years. And he probably could have gone for over 200 yards if it weren't for him dropping a pass or two and Baker missing him a couple times. So, and then and my dud of the week, same team, same game. Uh, Todd Bowles going into the locker room with a timeout in the back pocket. I mean, it's a, it, it's a Hail Mary for sure to call timeout and just see if you can get something lucky, but the playoffs like why not so went to the locker room with an extra timeout that that is my personal dud of the week just the, lack of situation there's kind of awareness. there's a mis there's a misconception in that in that whole uh scenario that people aren't talking about the lions were not kneeling it for no re- uh, early for no reason like they knew we had a timeout there was a common agreement between Bowles and dan campbell who are great friends that he wasn't going to call that timeout with them kneeling early it would have been a scumbag move to do I wouldn't have blamed him for doing it. I mean, it's the playoffs. But at the end of the day, if he would have called the timeout, the Lions wouldn't be kneeling it with 17 seconds left on the play clock. They would have had less than 10 seconds, needed a punt return, needed a miracle. I I don't think it – everybody's, like, blaming Todd Bowles for it. It's not like the Lions, if he took the timeout, we're going to just give them a minute on the clock left. Like, that was never – Oh, I know. I I know it's not like – like a comeback attempt it's more like just like i said a hail mary it would be i mean it it's the playoffs i feel like yet you throw everything at the wall and see if something sticks yeah so regardless of your little unspoken agreement like come on it's the playoffs if you really care let's let's call that timeout and just get lucky or something yeah uh for my start of the week uh lamar jackson's my stud he had been doubted going into the playoffs um he was one in three going into the playoffs and he came out and had Great performance, 100 yards rushing, 100 yards passing, two touchdown runs, two touchdown passes. He was phenomenal. Honorable mention, Kayshawn Boutte. Uh, over 8,900 bets and over 
13, just over 13 months, that averages out to about one bet per hour without sleeping. So th that's, that are some, that's some impressive numbers right there. <laughs> um, and my dud of the week, uh, specifically Anders Carlson and Tyler Bass, both kickers. Um, Anders Carlson, he'd sucked all season, really. Needed to hit the kick to give his team a seven-point lead, and he shanked it. And Tyler Bass needed to hit that kick to tie the game, and he shanked it. Amber um, mentioned to Kayshawn Boutte. I think he lost about, like, $170,000 <laughs> on himself. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just crazy. Me, personally, that wouldn't happen, but... <laughs> Um, we can move on now to the NFC and AFC championship games for championship weekend. First game here, Chiefs at Ravens. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are four point favorites in this game. The over under is 45 and a half. The Chiefs have a major experience advantage here. Uh, Mahomes is in his sixth straight AFC title game in his six years starting, which is just an absolutely insane stat. It shows his greatness to the highest degree. Uh, outside of his obvious two Super Bowls uh, and going for a third this season. I think the Ravens are going to struggle to pass the ball in this game. They have the 21st pass offense still, and the Chiefs have the fourth pass defense in the league. I think they're going to have to heavily rely on the run here. They are far and away the best rushing team in the league. As we've said, they average 19 rushing yards more per game than the second highest team uh, in the league this year. Kansas City did a good job, though, limiting Cook and the Buffalo run offense. Last week, Buffalo's fifth in the league in run offense. And I think if they can do even a fraction of what they did against the Bills, they'll be in a decent spot this week, uh, especially being able to defend the pass. is uh, going to have to run the ball efficiently here. As good as a passing team as they are, and they have been in Mahomes' tenure, Running the ball is going to be huge here for them on the Ravens as the Ravens' uh, strength on defense is also in the pass game. I think this is going to come down to which team makes the first mistake, uh, especially turnover-wise. Um, I think we have a scenario here where Lamar could start to maybe throw a pick or two this game because this defense is no joke. Bolton's been playing fantastic. Snead, as you said, has been playing fantastic. Um, Chris Jones, of course. Um I'm going to continue to ride with the experience over the flash and the recency bias, uh, as I did last week. And I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs to go to their second Super Bowl in a row. I personally have no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? No, uh, no horse in this race of who I really want to see win this game. Same thing as Kansas City and Buffalo last week. I just want to see a really good football game, something coming down to the fourth quarter, last drive or two. Maybe whoever has the ball last, I think that'll be really interesting. Interesting. But you mentioned it a little bit, Josh. Uh, one thing I'm going to be watching in this game is how Kansas City reacts to Baltimore's rushing game. But more uh, more importantly, Lamar as a rusher. Uh, I am very, very curious to see what they do to stop him, whether they spy Bolton a lot more or they just send a lot of pressure and force Lamar to throw the ball rather than giving him time to just sit in the pocket, read that nothing's open and then take off and just beat someone one on one in space. So I expect Kansas City, or I would hope that Kansas City blitzes a lot to try and new, uh, neutralize that. But as good as Lamar is, you can't really stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And same thing goes for Patrick Mahomes as well. You mentioned, or I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I think Kansas City has one of, one of, if not the greatest head coaching and quarterback duos of all time. I expect that to be on full display. But Mahomes is not perfect. And in order to make up for that, they're going to have to run the ball well uh also so 
Pacheco, I hope he gets 20-ish carries, maybe 20 total touches in general. And Mahomes, he just doesn't have to do too much in order to succeed. I am going with Baltimore. I like their roster a little bit better. I like their offensive personnel, especially if they get Mark Andrews back for this game. Uh, Lamar said it himself, getting Mark Andrews back. he's He'd be getting his bread and butter back. So I think uh, having that nice tight end duo of Likely and Andrews is going to be huge for them. Uh, I don't think Kansas City has the linebacker personnel to match with that. They do have Bolton, but he's really the best athlete they have at that spot, so they might spy him on Lamar. But if they don't do that, then they're going to have to throw him on one of Andrews or Likely if they decide to go 12 personnel. So I am very intrigued to see how Kansas City is going to handle Baltimore's offense, and I don't think they have enough talent to do it, so I'm going with Baltimore here. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, please save us. Um, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but really, it's a battle of two elite defenses. Ravens defense gave up the fewest points in the NFL this year at 16.5 points per game. And they also led the NFL in sacks with 60. The Chiefs ranked second in both of those categories. So uh, two of the top defenses in football. We saw last week the Ravens defense giving up zero touchdowns to C.J. Stroud's offense. Um, and they're going to have to get pressure on Mahomes in this game if they want to win. He get, They got no sacks on Stroud last week. Uh, they're going to need to get some on Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes has been sacked zero times so far in the postseason. He's been able to evade sacks, stay on his uh, feet. There were four games this season where Mahomes was sacked at least three times. The Chiefs went one and three in those games. Um the Ravens have three players who have recorded at least nine sacks and seven players who have recorded at least three. Uh, they spread the wealth. They're going to have to do it. They're just going to have to get to Mahomes no matter what. That's going to be one of the main things to watch. Uh, Chiefs, they often struggled in the regular season. Here in the postseason, their offense has been phenomenal. They're averaging more points per game and more yards per play than they did during the regular season. Uh, one of the big reasons is obviously Travis Kelsey seemed to turn it around. Over the final three games of the year, he was averaging just 29 yards per game, zero touchdowns. And since the playoffs started, uh, we've seen the Kelsey of normal, 73 yards per game with two touchdowns. So uh, he's been phenomenal. One of the best teams against the tight end defensively, though, has been the Ravens. They only gave up three touchdown catches all year to tight ends, which was tied for the second lowest numbers. Uh, I got the Ravens winning this game. I think they have the recipe to kind of beat the Chiefs they have a great defense they can get pressure on the quarterback and they can slow down the tight end which is going to hurt the Chiefs offense uh, Chiefs are gonna need to find a way to win at the offensive line uh, find a way to get the ball to Kelsey if they can't Rashi Rice is gonna have to have a big game or Isaiah Pacheco like you said Zach so I think the Ravens win this game I like their defense more and I think it's, it's Lamar Jackson's turn to have a crack at it and uh, host a Lombardi all right, moving on here then to the NFC Championship Lions at 49ers. The 49ers are seven-point favorites in this game. The over-under is 51-and-a-half. Uh, the Lions have one game to go punch their ticket to the Super Bowl in Vegas. Um, two more to go win the whole thing. The 49ers' run defense and offense struggled versus Green Bay. As I said, uh, those were strengths for them this season overall, and they were weaknesses against Green Bay. Uh, and those are two of the Lions' biggest strengths overall. Uh, no Debo, he's uh is a possibility. I know he's 50-50 right now. As he said, I don't know, think he's practiced yet this week as we speak on Thursday. 
that could be real trouble for the 49ers if he doesn't play. This is a completely different team without Debo, and I think it significantly impacts them. I actually think if Debo gets ruled out, the spread moves maybe towards five and a half, five. Uh, if he does get ruled out. So I'm assuming Vegas is expecting him to play. I'm expecting him to play. It is the NFC title game overall, but uh, it depends on how hard he is. And if he's playing and he's beat up, I mean, he came out of the game for two separate injuries last week, head and uh, shoulder. So if he is playing, uh, who knows if he's going to be able to stay healthy for the entire game. But the Lions were 6-3 and three on the road this season, should have been 7-2. and two. Uh, Shout out Brad Allen again. Um, Jameer Gibbs is fifth in yards per game outside the tackles, fourth uh, before contact outside the tackles, and third in 10-plus yard rushes outside the tackles. The 49ers are 28th, 29th, and 24th in those stats, respectively. Uh, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have a big game this game. I think he's going to rush for a ton of yards. I think he's going to receive for a ton of yards. Uh, he will probably be the X factor if the Lions can pull this game out. Uh, concern for the Lions would be getting torn up in the pass game, as they have all season. I think Aaron Glenn is going to stay aggressive as he did in the Tampa Bay game against this middle line. I think if the Lions can get some pass rush, get to Purdy early, uh, he's nowhere near as good when he's under pressure. If they can get to him, force him to throw short, not those big in routes to Kittle or Ayuk, um, I think that's going to be a possible area of success for the Lions. San Francisco is a middle-of-the-pack pass defense. I think we're going to have a high-value pass game in general in this game. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of points, a lot of pass yards between both of these teams. The Niners are very, very good in between the numbers on defense, which is where the Lions have thrived all season with Amon Ra and Sam Laporta and Josh Reynolds. Uh, so that's going to be the true battle in this game. What's going to win? Are the Niners going to be able to stop the Lions between the numbers, or are the Lions going to uh, be able to still throw between the numbers as they have all season against a really uh, good defense whose strength is relying on those linebackers to go make plays in the middle of the field? Um I do not think there's a sports team in the country that is as hungry as the Lions are right now. I think they're playing for something that is just so much bigger than any other team is playing for right now. I think they're playing for the whole city. I think they're playing for the reputation of the city and of this organization that they've had for so long of just being bottom of the barrel. They run as Dan Campbell does, and I just think that although the Niners have so many great individual players I just think the Lions are just together as one unit, and I think that's just so hard to stop unless you can really dial up a great game plan to beat them. And, of course, Kyle Shanahan can. I know you guys are going to pick the Niners. Um, you guys both picked the Ravens, and I picked the Chiefs earlier uh, in this pod. I may be a homer sometimes. I'm not a homer here. But right now, I genuinely believe the Lions are going to go into San Francisco and beat the 49ers and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, to set up for a week one rematch with Kansas City, both teams fully healthy. And as much as I want to say that I am just picking them because it's hope, I genuinely in my heart do think the Lions are going to go win this game. All right. So maybe me like two or three months ago would have said that the Lions have no chance in this game. They don't have the talent that San Francisco has offensively and defensively at the skill positions. And I would be writing them off like Geno Smith was written off all those years ago. But Detroit is, like you said, Josh, they they are fighting for something bigger than themselves. They're fighting for not just a city, but a fan base that expands more than just a singular city on a map 
they're fighting for respect, culture, and all that good shit. Me personally, you mentioned one of my X factors of this game, Jameer Gibbs. I think the other one is clear and obvious to uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, it's definitely going to be whether he plays it or not. I think he will dress regardless, but they might just use him sparingly because obviously if they want to win, they're going to have to use him. But if they, they don't want to overuse him because they don't want to knock him out for a potential Super Bowl game. So I, I, I do hope they're think thinking ahead so. like that. I hope they are. <laughs> I do think San Francisco top to bottom has a better roster on paper. They have the better team. They are just very, very good. They've got, I think you can argue one of the five best running backs we've ever seen in NFL history and Christian McCaffrey in terms of skill set. And they've also got an insane group of weapons. They've got Mr. Irrelevant fighting for something that he lost last year. Maybe it was his UCL. Maybe it was a chance at a Super Bowl, whatever. They're fighting for pride there as well. Both teams got something to fight for. I think San Francisco has the edge on paper, but Detroit has it in terms of emotion, support, just grit. I'm sure you'll like that, Josh. But um, you said I would pick uh, San Francisco in this one, right, Josh? I did. No, well, don't do I, this. I did hint at me mentioning later in this episode of all four potential Super Bowl matchups will have some sort of revenge factor. Chiefs Niners, it is going to be a rematch of Mahomes' first Super Bowl in which the Niners choked in the fourth quarter. Playoff Damien came in, scored that touchdown to put them ahead by 11, all that. Baltimore and San Francisco, San Fran's going to want some revenge. Uh, on the uh, what's it called from earlier this season? Detroit and Baltimore. It's gonna be revenge from Baltimore walloping on uh Detroit earlier this year, and then like you said, Josh, Detroit and Kansas City. We're bookending the season the way that it started, Chiefs and Lions. But the Chiefs have something to fight for as well because they now have Kelsey and Chris Jones compared to Week One. I think the Super Bowl matchup will be the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. Talk to me. Think, Talk to uh, me. No, no, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I think it, I'm with it. I think the Lions will pull off the upset. It's going to be close, but I'm not going to root for it. But I do think Detroit, it's just maybe a little bit of manifest destiny. They're God given right to play in this damn Super Bowl playing for their city. I was down in Vegas a couple weeks ago. Uh, Allegiant Stadium, it's a hockey puck from high up. I'm going to be honest. But it is going to be a game of football that is played, and it will be one for the ages. I believe it will be the Lions and Ravens, the written-off Jared Goff. That's a bar. uh, And the forever underrated running quarterback, running back Lamar Jackson, fighting for each of their first Lombardis. It's going to be a heck of a show. Detroit is my pick this weekend. Before you get into what you got to say, Mike, I know what you, what you're leaning at. <laughs> um, I through this playoff run so far, we saw game one. Everybody went with the Rams. No one wanted to pick the Lions. Everyone wrote them off. The Lions showed everybody wrong. This past week, everyone picked the Lions against Tampa Bay. It's oh, are they gonna are they gonna give a letdown? Let Tampa Bay win this game. Lions won that game. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you two say. It doesn't matter what anybody in the media says. It's the Lions and the 49ers and it's the football teams that they put on the field. 
and that's all that's going to matter. You're not superstitious then, no? Oh, I'm superstitious. But <laughs> when it comes to the media picks, that that mean that doesn't mean nothing, man. See, I'm I'm really superstitious. So I think our picks here actually influence the game and in my opinion. And Honk just ruined all my superstitions. But <laughs> uh if the Lions lose this game, I'm not gonna come on here next week and be like I am Zach should have picked the numbers. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do that. Uh for the first time since nineteen ninety one, the Lions are in the NFC championship game. George H. W. Bush was still the president. Um None of us on this podcast were born. It's been a long time. Uh, Lions, uh, they surrendered 247.9 passing yards per game during the regular season. Sixth worst number in the NFL. Uh, In the playoffs, that hasn't gotten better for them. If not, it's gotten worse. 367 yards to Matt Stafford. 349 yards to Baker Mayfield. Both very large totals. Uh, They're going to have to be better. Keep Purdy as far away from those numbers as possible. And force him into a turnover. Uh, two and four in games where Brock Purdy throws at least one pick, eleven and zero when he doesn't throw any interceptions. So they have to force him into turnovers. The Lions, their run defense has been phenomenal all season. They've allowed the second fewest rushing yards in the league. They need to slow down Christian McCaffrey, maybe the best running back in the NFL. Uh, Debo Samuel obviously is questionable, uh, and they are zero and two when he doesn't start the season. So there's a lot of things going on with. Their offense, they have to force them to turnovers. Sutton McCaffrey, and hopefully Debo doesn't play. 49ers defense is very good. Uh, third fewest points in the league this year, eighth fewest yards. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery both need to have a big day if they want a chance to win this one, I think. Each of them have had one really big game in the playoffs last week. Jameer Gibbs the week before David Montgomery. They might both need to have one here, uh, including them. Their offensive line needs to be big. Panay Sewell. Frank Rag now, Taylor Decker, uh, Graham Glass now, Jonah Jackson. I don't think he's playing, so I don't know who you guys got at uh, left We guard. have a couple options. I think we're going to go with the Wokey, though. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is they're going to be tasked with opening up the run game and keeping Jared Goff in a clean pocket. 49ers uh, defense is good. Like I said, Jared Goff in a clean pocket this year, ranks fourth in completion, ninth in yards per attempt, fourth in touchdowns. Uh, under pressure, those numbers dropped to 14th in completion percentage, 13th in yards per attempt, and 14th in touchdowns. Uh, Got to keep him with a clean pocket. Got to limit the turnovers. Lions are 4-4 four and four when he throws at least one pick, 10-1 and one when he doesn't. I think whichever team wins the turnover battle is going to win the game. I was going to go with the Detroit Lions, but Zach <laughs> picking the 49ers just throws me off because – then I wanted I wanted us all to have different picks this week, and if I pick the Lions now, Zach and I have the same pick, regardless. But hey, we're making uh, picks. We're not we're not creating narratives here. I'm not creating a narrative. <laughs> I'm just I just wanted us all to be different for one week. Um, before I make my pick, last thing I think I saw Brad Holmes won Executive of the Year. So shout out to him. Well uh, I'm gonna Motown, go with the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. This is embarrassing for you, Josh, considering 10 minutes ago you said that none of us were going to pick the Lions, and now here we are. I, I really didn't think you would. Yeah, if I'll I had to pick which one of you two did, I would have said you. I wouldn't have said Zach. Yeah, no, he switched up on – remember, he wasn't with you at the start, though. Remember that. Hey, he wasn't with you at the what start. What Dan Campbell say? Yeah, exactly. Come on now. I think I've made my thoughts very justifiable for why I picked the Rams, but um, – Jumping on the train a little late. 
I'm not well, jumping on any train. I'm just um, picking who I think is going to win. I, I think it's going to be a dog fight, regardless of what happens. Um, if the Niners knock us down, we're going to get back up. We're going to bite a kneecap off mm-hmm. and play some gritty damn football. Then if they knock us down again, mm. we're going to get back up one more time. And we're going to take another chunk out of you. Mm. And at the end, we're going to be the last one standing. Mm. So be ready for it. Detroit's going to the Super Bowl, baby. Let's get it. That's what I like to hear. That's all I got, though. We got some bet. Want to do some betting picks? Ravens, Lions, Super Bowl. I'm hoping for Chiefs, Lions. I'd. Yeah, that's matchup wise though. I mean, I just I think the Lions match up better with the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, it's also the Chiefs have been to so many Super Bowls. It's like, oh. But the Chiefs lost to the Niners in the Super Bowl, and if the Lions do make it, they if, will have beaten. If the, the Lions make the Super Bowl and it's Lions Chiefs, and you're watching the game and all of the media coverage is on Taylor Swift, you're not going to be a little upset, dude. Take the media coverage off of the Lions. That's honestly, I think that's a better scenario. I think if it's Ravens Lions, I think the media coverage will screw. screw Screw skew lions. If it's on Taylor Swift and it's on the Chiefs and it's on Mahomes winning his third ring, take all the pressure off of the Lions. Let them go in there and play ball. That's all that matters, though. It none of this. I mean, I'm a super superstitious guy, like you said. I'm gonna have my same rituals I'm gonna do on game day that I've been doing the past few weeks here, and that's just a personal thing. But all this media, everything, all that none of the noise matters. At the end of the day, we're playing football. It's going to be whatever team goes and scores more points, whatever team goes and gets more stops, that's going to be the team that wins the game. And in my heart and in my head, I truly believe that's going to be the Detroit Lions. I personally am not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Josh, could you give us a little bit of an insight on what some of your little rituals are on game day? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of what we've been doing the past uh, couple weeks here. Uh, My roommate has gone to the local Meyer and gotten a Detroit-style pizza. Uh, and eating that I believe he, he eats it in the beginning of the game and then in the second half he eats like the, the rest of it um, I've been drinking the same specialty mix drink uh, for the entire game uh, there there was a there have been points in both of the last two games where we muted the TV and just played Drake for a couple quarters uh, that's what we did in the fourth quarter last game and we saw what that happened so there will be a lot of Detroit pizza Andalini's and Drake playing on the stereo for this game and Hopefully it ends with how it's been ending the past two weeks, which is my boy G Matt Cash and the Lions won again. <laughs> Love to but, see it. Yeah, that's uh we'll finish with some betting picks here and then we'll we'll head out. It's been a pretty long pot already for six games. But um uh first game, Chiefs Ravens. Like I said, I'm going with the Chiefs. Um my dumbass thought that this line was gonna move more towards the Chiefs. I took it at it as it opened at uh, plus three, plus 102. I believe it's minus four, minus 110 or 105 right now. Uh, so it has moved slightly to the Ravens. And then I'm obviously on the Lions money line. I'm also on the Lions plus seven. Uh, me personally, I'm taking the Chiefs and Ravens to be under 44 and a half. I believe it was, I don't know which one of you said it, but you mentioned that they're each number one and number two in terms of like uh, sacks and then. Uh, just defense in general, I think. But so both these defenses are really good. Uh, it's going to come down to crucial plays on third downs, maybe even a fourth down if one team gets really ballsy. So I'm taking the under in that game, the under 45 and a half. And then Lions, Niners, just give me Lions money line. I'm not even going to grace myself with the seven points. Just give me the money line. 
Yeah, um, for the Ravens game, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson anytime touchdown, plus 100. I think he's going to run one in. He did it last week. I think he's going to do it again. And then for um, the 49ers game, I'm going to go Brock Purdy over half an interception. I think he has to throw one if the Lions win, and I think he's going to. I think that was also plus 100. Yeah, give, give me a player. Give me a player that you think is getting that pick. Uh, I, got one, I got one in mind. You know what? This might sound crazy. I don't know how much he's been playing, but Jack Campbell. I think it's his turn. No, he plays. He starts. Yeah, that was his oh, turn. Man, that would be electric. I, I'd say I'd say Brian Branch. Just right place, right time. I'm going I big three one. I think I think Curb Ooh, is due. Curb? I That's think crazy. it's due. He in the biggest of moments, he shows up. Um, it could be CJ Gardner Johnson too. It could be Iffy. Got a lot of good players on this defense on the back end. Um, a lot of good safeties. So we'll see what they happens, man. They just give up a lot of yards. Yeah, they do give up a lot of yards. But at the end of the day, ben, but ben yards don't, don't win defense. games. Yards do not <laughs> sure. win football games. Um, but, yeah, I think if the Lions can just keep them out of the end zone, for the most part, if they can just play how they did against the Rams, man, that's all that matters. I was, uh, just to wrap this up real quick, when we were talking about uh, before I got in the Andalini drink, the same drink before every game thing, I was going to do a thing where I just drank like a specialty drink, like a, a different one for each game. And I was going to do the Dan Campbell caffeine thing for the last oh. game, which is a thousand milligrams of caffeine. It's like two venties with like three espresso shots or some shit. Wild. wild. Um, <laughs> but uh, my roommate was like, I don't. What if you have like a heart attack and die in the middle of the game? And I was like, yeah, it's a fair point. Probably shouldn't be doing that. Dan Campbell weighs a little bit more than me. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't be doing that, but. Maybe two espresso shots and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm not gonna need it though. I'll be, I'll be wide awake. I'll be, I'll be wide awake. But um, you said what? You can try the Will Levis Mayo coffee. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Um, but um, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Engage Eight podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, our links are in the description for our Spotify, TikTok, and all of our Twitter slash X. Um, we will be back sometime next week to recap these games. Uh, we don't really know what we're going to do during uh Pro Bowl week yet. I mean, we're going to, I guess, talk about the Pro Bowl a little bit, but uh, we'll probably talk maybe some NBA. We haven't talked NBA on here in like a month, a uh, month plus probably. Maybe some college basketball, which we haven't yet touched on. I know me and Mike are really, really big college basketball fans, so we need to dive into that uh, at some point. And then once football season's over, uh, we're going to have to scramble from there. I know we're going to talk some basketball, college and uh, pro We'll dive into some hockey probably. And then I think we're going to do some other non-sports uh, media kind of talk from movies to food and just random things to keep us busy during this long summer of no football. But until next time, we'll see everybody in the next one.